Hey everyone, welcome to episode number four of Revenue on the Rocks. So today we're going to talk about something super timely. I'm sure it's something everyone's thinking about as we're ending this quarter, if you do work off typical year quarters, but we're going to talk about quota setting. And especially right now, I think everyone's really thinking about goals, goal setting, quotas as everything's up in the air. I'm not going to use cliche terms, but let's just say everything's up in the air with our economy right now. So I thought it could be interesting to not only talk about how we typically set quotas, goals from both marketing and sales, but how we would adjust these these times. I'm not going to say these uncertain times. But before we talk about quota, any of that, we're going to start with our typical question of Ben. So what you got this week? Excited to be here, Natalie. I still have the same bottle of white wine that I was picking away at last week. Um, so just a, a glass of white wine for uh, for me today. I'm also back to wine. I didn't put this in the podcast last week, but Ben had to experience this. Something about the sour beer, just my head was so full of bubbles. That's the only way I could describe it. (laughs) We had to re-record some sections. It wasn't great, but I am trying a different wine. I think it's, I don't know what type, but it's another type of red. Unfortunately, I just like grabbed anything off our wine cellar and took it. So I know it's not a Cabernet. So this is different. Fair enough. No beer for you and Destin and no martinis for me. Besides going back to wine, I'm excited today because, and Ben knows this, and I've kind of talked about this in other episodes, but this topic is really where like my data nerd and operations sides comes out. Like, I think this is probably my most scientific approach to marketing sales alignment is when it comes to forecast and quota setting. I've done so many different types of forecasting methods, models. So I'm excited to share our approaches, but I also think it's really important because Ben has a very different approach. He comes at it from the people side. He thinks about how will my reps react to this. He thinks about what's attainable, you know, how will everyone feel if we put this big number in front of them. So I'm hoping our shared perspectives can help everyone get a little taste of the different ways to set quota and then how you can find a happy medium. Agreed. I would say I'm very excited about it. It's been kind of a mini study into how people think very differently, which is you are very like objective and numbers oriented. And when we come to these meetings to talk about quotas, you have beautiful spreadsheets with sales math, which makes a lot of sense. And I've got a notion doc talking about like the reasons why I got to the number and how reps will react to it. And some of the more, I would say, nuanced factors that go along with quota setting. So I think together it makes a really strong relationship in setting quota, but I think it's just very funny that we approach it from two different areas. Yeah. Our, our one-on-one this week has literally just been like, Ben talking about different quotas, idea, bringing it up and me just like, but the math suggests this. And then me having to rewind and be like, it's not all about the sales math, but it's been, it's been fun getting to learn the different perspectives. So with that, we'll dive in and First, before we talk about how we set quota, I wanted to take a step back and ask Ben, why is it goals, quota setting, why is it a touchy topic? Yeah, I think it gets back to an overall point that we've talked a lot about on all of our podcasts so far, which is salespeople generally are tunnel visioned, right? They're very wired to think about winning, crushing their revenue targets, crushing their goals, being on top of that leaderboard. So naturally, anytime you're presented with a new quota, there's always that little bit of hesitation around like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to get there? Especially when you think about it in the context of quotas are always presented, at least at Nevada, at least about a week or so before the next quarter starts. So reps are trying to like finish the quarter strong, maybe get a couple of deals across the line at the end of the quarter. And then also maybe hopefully take some time to relax and be excited about the fact that they crushed their number in Q1. And boom, all of a sudden there's a calendar invite from Ben to tell me what my Q2 number is. And it's like, oh my gosh, like we haven't even finished Q1 yet. So It is just that natural feeling of a never ending cycle. 
But I do think that in my personal experience, if presenting quotas isn't done the right way, sometimes it can feel a lot of, not out of the blue, but very a lot of feelings towards unfairness. Like, gosh, wow, like how did they get to that number? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like half our team missed last quarter. How, why is this going up by 15%? Does this mean my comp is gonna go up by 15%? Comp is staying the same, but you want me to bring in more revenue? Like the, these are all of the thoughts that every single AE has in these quota setting meetings. And so naturally it always feels, because generally always quotas go up, right? So there's always the sense of, uh, you want me to work harder, but you're not gonna pay me more. And by the way, you just hired three more reps, so now there's more mouths to feed, so I'm going to get less leads. Awesome. I think the this is unfair and there's a correct way to present quota is something you don't always learn until you do it the incorrect way. And so again, going back to more my more operations side, there was a point when I was really spearheading sales ops, and I was in charge of telling a BDR team that we had changed the quota structure again. And we were entirely changing like how they were comped. Basically, we, which I think every, anyone who's gone through quota setting has probably had this realization of, we had it previously based on meeting set. We realized all the meetings were not great and we're not converting into pipeline. So therefore we wanted to set it on meetings at least held. And so we did not give our BDRs enough time. We did not give enough reason. I came in with my spreadsheet hot and was just like, hey, we did the math. We're not getting ROI on it. It's not causing results or not showing results. So this is why we're changing it. But look, based on these averages, you should be netting the same amount as long as you hit this, this, and this. And it was all spreadsheets and sales math. And my naive self at the time was like, they'll understand. I showed them logic behind it. And I got chewed out, essentially. I got yelled at. It's not my best experience. And ultimately made me realize that how important it was and how I did not handle that situation appropriately. And I'd never, you know, managed BDRs before. I was the sales ops person, so it wasn't necessarily my job. But I think it really hit me in the head of like, this is their life, their pay. This is their every day. This is what motivates them or demotivates them. I can't just treat this as an equation. And I think you bring up a good point, which I'm just going to be totally honest with you. In my experience, sales reps, like, they don't want to hear about the sales math. They don't want to hear about it. Like, they want to hear, they want to understand that their VP of sales or their manager understands the challenges and the nuances of their role. Let's say you're an AE and you're selling in today's economy and you just found out that your quota next quarter is going to be 20% higher. Well, the economy is not in a good spot to say the least. You're as an AE not going to be making anymore. They're not bumping up your base. They're just bumping up your target. Again, as I already mentioned, you know, maybe there's additional headcount uh, added on. Maybe, maybe some of your marketing team just got laid off. And so you, now you're worried about how many leads you're going to be getting. These are the things that's going through your head. So when your manager presents, hey, here are your targets and here's how we got here and you just see a bunch of numbers, it feels very impersonal. The last thing I would share, just for anybody who's listening who maybe has never had a quota carrying role, because I know we have people listening kind of from all different departments. <clears throat> Imagine you are on the engineering team or you're on our customer success team. And your manager came up to you and said, guess what, this quarter, I expect you to close or work 80 additional tickets, or I don't even know what the engineering lingo for that would be. Do 20% more of the, of the work that you, you did last quarter, this next quarter. That is now the expectation. That's not the pie in the sky, like stretch goal. Like that is what we expect from you. And oh, by the way, we're not paying you anything more. 
that's what getting a quota is like in sales. It's, it's that feeling of, you know, hey, Natalie, you're on the marketing team. You brought in, let's just use easy numbers, 100 leads last quarter. Well, we're going to need 130 from you this quarter. Your budget is staying the exact same. We're not going to pay you anymore. Go get them. And by the way, the quarter after that, it's probably going to be 20% higher than that number. That's generally like the sentiment, like whatever you're feeling right now in your stomach, that's how salespeople feel oftentimes when they receive these quotas in a very impersonal way. So Ben, we've talked a lot about the wrong way to present quotas. In your experience, what are some of the right ways or positive ways that you can present, especially if you do get that note from leadership that quotas have to go up, right? We can say, oh, the easiest thing is just don't make quotas go up, but sometimes they do have to. They absolutely have to. And I think the way, you have, the way I think I've seen success with this is approaching it as more of a conversation. And I know I just said that salespeople hate sales math, which is true if that's the only factor that you're including. But if you include, hey team, here are the numbers we're thinking about. Here's why we're thinking about that. Whatever those, whatever those reasons are, because our investors are demanding this growth or because we have to hit this target in Q2 to get to our end of year target, whatever those factors are, including sales math so that your sales team have some level of comfort that hey, marketing's on the line for this as well. And marketing is committing to X amount of leads so that you can get to your number. But oh, by the way, like here are some additional factors. We're rolling out this brand new feature that we think is gonna generate more leads. We're getting a lot more lenient on contracts. So you know, rather than only annual, you guys can start pitching monthly or quarterly, coming to them with other ideas to say, hey, it's not just about the sales math. We know there are other factors at play here, but we did think about them. Here is what we thought about. And something we do at Nevada, Natalie, which I would recommend for all startups, I don't know at what point it doesn't make sense to do it anymore, but we absolutely implement this here at Nevada, is we set the target as a leadership team and we bring it to our sales team. So we bring it to our three or four reps and we say, here's what we're thinking. What do you guys think? Do you think this is fair? Do you think this is realistic? Is it challenging yet attainable? What concerns do you have? And we basically just open up the floor to the sales reps and let them voice any concerns that they have and we don't officially lock that target in until there's buy-in across the team. I think another thing we do that I haven't always had the luxury at other companies is the fact that I get to be part of the quota, at least for marketing's end. How it's frustrating to just go to your reps and say, hey, you now have to hit this number. It's also really frustrating if you're marketing sometimes, especially if your budgets got cut, all that stuff. It's just like, hey, sales needs this number, so you need to produce this many leads. We both kind of work at it from two different angles. Like I generally go, bottom up and you go top down and then we meet at the middle and say like what is realistic for both of our goals past history what we've seen so it's not just hey marketing do this or else and i think tying back to the overall <clears throat> theme of the podcast which is the marketing and sales relationship the one that i wrote down the point on this question that i wrote down to remember the most important one is the trust in the marketing team if you work at a company where your marketing team is slaying it and you have all sorts of leads and you're confident that the marketing team is going to be able to hit or exceed their lead target for that next quarter, then chances are no matter what target you share with your, your sales team, what quota you share, they'll feel confident in it because they have trust and faith in your marketing team. Now, if your marketing team missed their target by a mile in Q1, and then sales quotas just went up a ton in Q2, sales reps are going to be freaking out because it's like, wait a minute, the marketing team just missed their goal by a mile. And now we have a higher quota and we're just going to assume marketing team's going to crush it. So I do think a lot of it comes down to the relationship between marketing and sales. And, you know, is there faith that both of uh, the teams will do their jobs? And so I mentioned before how, again, I kind of go bottoms up, you go tops down. 
get really tactical here, really in the weeds. Would love to talk through, you know, how do we set quotas? And literally, we've been doing this all week. We've been talking about it. We're actually going to talk about it after this podcast because we're still finalizing it. But Ben, first, from your perspective, how do you first start from beginning to end of setting the quota? So the first thing I do is work backwards. And so what we do at Nevada is we set a, a target for the end of the year, an annual revenue target that we are trying to hit. So it's pretty easy math from there, right? Like, wh where are we going to finish at in Q1? What does that leave us towards uh, for our gap towards the rest of the year for, towards that target? And then figure out if we were to average out that gap across the remaining three quarters in this instance, what quota, what number do we have to hit? So then I sort of have a number in my head. And then from there, it's figuring out what everybody's individual quotas are going to be. And this is what I mean about nuance. This is where you throw the sales math out the window. Making this fairly personal, we have a rep who's going to be coming back from paternity leave. It's great. We're super excited to have him back. But guess what? He's going to have zero pipeline when he comes back into Nevada. So I have to have some sort of reduced quota to, to him so that he has a, a fair chance at, at hitting his number. So now that's a reduced quota. We have a brand new rep at Nevada that we're really excited about. It's her first quota carrying quarter. So that's going to be a ramped reduced number. And so these are the things you have to start thinking about. Like Natalie, when we have our meetings, you're like, Ben, look at the sales math. Look at how high of like a number or quota we should be setting. It's like, yeah, but let's talk about all these different nuances. We've got a ramped AE. We've got someone coming back from paternity leave with zero pipeline. These are the things you need to be thinking about. So easy. Just look at the numbers sometimes and say, oh, you know, what happened last quarter is going to repeat itself this quarter. We're going to get this many leads, this much win rate. But it really is important to factor in those unknowns. And I'll talk a little bit about how you can do that in your model. So I've created a few different models, as I mentioned, depending on companies. I think one thing that is important to point out is that Nevada is a little more transactional. So we're not huge enterprise sales cycles. So we can have a little bit more of a transactional model. So the way we do it is just how many leads did we bring in last quarter? Do we predict that's going to go up or down and why? And by a percentage, which is probably going to be slightly made up, but something. How many of those convert to ops? How many of those ops close? And then how much existing pipeline do we have? What's the close rate of that pipeline? So how much do we expect for that to close this quarter? And then what is the gap that I need to make up? essentially. So pretty straightforward equation. I think it's really important, again, that you are looking at what pipeline you already have. And then the, there is usually a different close rate between pipeline that closed in quarter versus out of quarter. So looking at that too. And then this is where you take Ben's feedback again of, oh, we have, you know, one A that's ramping up and one that doesn't have pipeline. And that's when you make some adjustments to the close rate. And maybe you have different scenarios. I've kind of done this at all companies I've worked at that we have like a best case, worst case, and medium case. So also you're not just presenting one number to the leadership team. You say like, you know, we've taken into account some of these factors. If everything goes wrong, this is what I'm predicting. If everything goes right, this is what I'm predicting. So we talked about very practically how we set these models. A few other final tips that I would give. One is, you know, try different things too. Like don't feel like you have to be set onto one model or that if it just didn't work out one month, that that's a wrong model. One thing I always measure each month or each quarter is not just did we hit quota, but how off was my model to quota or was our prediction? Like don't just reward yourself for going over or for hitting it. So try to see how accurate you can be. And for me, uh, two tips jumped out. <clears throat> Number one, try as best you can to share the bigger picture goal with your sales team early in the year. Hey team, at the end of 2023, Novatic's company ARR target is XYZ. With that in mind, 
right now, if you were to break that down by quarter, this is roughly probably what you can expect for an individual quota every quarter. Obviously, that's subject to change here and there. Um, but giving them some sort of kind of idea going into the year should have less of a sticker shock when they see those quotas getting rolled out every three months. Ben, there was like a little part of me right there that thought you were just going to tell everyone or or air our goals. I was like, we're about to get this podcast cut off by leadership if we share that. (laughs) Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the four episodes, but we're done now. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're done. Um, Cool. The other tip I would recommend is, uh, this is like the biggest one. Don't punish your top performers. Don't punish your reps. Like if you have a team of very high performing ICs and reps and they're crushing, they're going 120, 130, 150% quarter over quarter, don't take advantage of them. Don't say, oh, well, like, you know, Ben went 150% to his goal last quarter. So let's just jack up his quota another 40% because you know what? He'll hit it. He'll find a way to get there. We know he'll get there, especially if and when quotas are tied to compensation. Every time you raise somebody's quota, you also lower the ceiling for how much money they can make. Don't punish your reps for good performance. If you do that, you are going to create a culture where reps walk out the door. If somebody is crushing, like fantastic. We already talked about quotas do have to increase. I understand that, but do not punish your top performers and give them crazy quotas just because you know they're an amazing employee and they will get there. If anything, keep that quota pretty flat and like increase their accelerators. Like don't punish them for performing well. I think that leads really well into what I had for the next question, which is about, you know, what do you do right now if the economy is a little lower, if you do miss quota? Because I think a lot of company solutions to the bad economy right now might just be like, oh, I'm going to over-index on my good reps. I'm going to make sure that they hit more and just really give them anything they want. Yeah, there's two approaches that I would recommend if you find yourself in a place where you're forecasting a down month or you're missing your quota. First and foremost, as a leader, your very first reaction should be look in the mirror. What model did I create? What model did I share? Where did I mess up? Was it the sales math? Was it nuances that we overlooked? You know, was it me? Was it marketing? You know, you should first and foremost always be looking in the mirror and figuring out what was wrong with your plan. Because when you think about what a quota is, a quota isn't a stretch goal. A quota is if you wake up every day and you work your, you know, 40 hours a week, You should be able to get to this number. It's very realistic based on the leads we're going to give you, the outbound we expect, whatever those factors may be. A quota is just like a wake up, do your job, what we expect from you. So if you have reps missing that, especially by quite a bit, something is wrong with your model and that should be the first place you look. The second thing I'd recommend is talk to your reps. What happened? Why did we miss so bad? What did we miss? What are some, and that's honestly where you're going to find a lot of the nuances and factors that you probably didn't consider. But first and foremost, it has to start with you. You need to let your reps know we messed up. We are going to look at this first. And then you can go to your reps and say, here's what we think. But what do you think? How can we improve this moving forward? And then the last thing I have, Natalie, is once you've identified what happened, how the miss occurred, how you're going to ensure that it doesn't happen again, you need to make sure that you relay to your team that missing quota or missing target is not the standard at your company. Winning takes care of everything but it's easy to create a culture where not winning is accepted or okay. We've all worked at companies where barely anybody hit their target. And now all of a sudden, all of the reps know, eh, if I get to 80% of my number, I'll still be like a top 10% in my company. And that's fine. Missing your target, look at yourself first, talk to your reps, figure out a game plan to make sure it doesn't happen again. And then chat with your team and make sure they understand that 
the standard is much higher and, and that cannot happen again. My advice for all this was going to be factor in the unknowns into the equations, but just try to look on like the averages, try to see, you know, on average, what do we hit? What should it be? And then maybe say, okay, accounting for some unknowns or uncertain times, maybe lower it a little bit. So I think that helps like look at a rep, look at what their averages are. Don't, don't take the worst or best and then say, okay, maybe this is going to be 10% lower, 15% lower just because of all the unknowns. Natalie, I have a question for you. This is totally off script. How much do you think, this is very nuanced. How much do you think founders, investors, people who maybe aren't quite as plugged into the go-to-market motion at your company should have an influence on the way your go-to-market team sets their quota? I think if it's not working, then they can have more of an influence. You're consistently missing quota. Then someone from the outside might need to come in and say, okay, what's going on here? Like, how are we modeling this out? Why isn't it? Why are we so off? Especially if you're incredibly off. But if you're accurate, if you're doing your job, I think the way that we approach it, where at the very beginning of the year, they set those like high level goals and then you set your quarterly goals off of it is probably the appropriate cadence. But again, I do think it's fair if it's not necessarily like them coming in and saying, why aren't we hitting quota? But it's, you know, why aren't we forecasting this right? What are we trying? What other models could we be doing? How do other companies doing it? I think it's really helpful sometimes to actually get that perspective of how are other companies doing this and could we learn from them? And I think you need to be protective of your model as well, right? Like on the flip side, if you are a company that is having consistent success quarter over quarter, don't let the founding team come in. Don't let the investors come in and say, hey, you know, you're having a lot of success. You've averaged 118% to goal for the last a year and a half straight. Why don't we try bumping up quotas for, you know, 50% for a couple of quarters? We talk about this all the time at Nevada. It's kind of our, our motto on the sales team is winning takes care of everything. If, if you win, if you are crushing your goals and your targets, all the little things sort of take care of themselves. And that breeds and yields an amazing culture that people are excited to work in every single day. So I think maintaining that winning culture is probably more valuable than jacking up a quota, you know, five, 10 more percent just to make investors or founders happy. If, if you have something that is working very, very well and you are hitting your targets, defend that. And I think that that ties into nicely into why it's so important to protect your reps during this time. You know, it's very easy in the short term just to say, let's make them work harder. You know, the economy's bad, but I'm sure if we just give them an X accelerators and put their quota at this, they'll hit it. Think about long term. Like, yeah, maybe they'll hit it this quarter, but maybe they'll burn themselves out. And maybe they'll, once the economy's better and they can't get a new job, they'll leave. So it's very easy to think about the short term gains of not factoring in the empathy into your model but can really hurt in the long run. Did I convert you from someone who only wants sales math to someone who's now going to think about the uh, emotions and nuances? Hey, I said at the beginning, I learned that lesson when I got yelled at. I just will play out the sales math. We'll see how this quarter ends, but there is a chance that we hit almost identical to what I predicted, not to brag, but clearly I've learned nothing. Clearly we just went through this whole podcast and as I made that comment, I've learned nothing. That's true, but I would say it's more fun being 120% to gold than scratching tooth and nail to get to hundred percent of what your projection. No, is. you're right. I'm glad we meet in the middle. I'm glad I have you on the other side, Ben. So I'm not just following my math, but I will take pride in my model. No, I appreciate it. It's very helpful. And literally right after this call, we are going to hop into another call where I need to run my numbers by your sales math. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. Everyone. As always, we'll be back. If you do want to talk about models or forecasting, please reach out. I would love nothing more than to geek out about your model. So hope this was helpful.